Well, good morning again. I would invite you to take your Bible, please, this morning, friends, and turn to the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible with you or that you know familiar with, it's about this far through the book, okay? You'll find there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, and I'd be honored if you would uh, take that out. And if you don't own a Bible, take that home with you as well, okay? My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm very glad that you're going to be spending some time with us in Scripture today. While you're turning to the Gospel of John, John chapter 8 is where we're going to read it in a moment, too. I have some reflections of um, just some things to note for you today. One is that I need to acknowledge right, up the front, right at the top here, there are some things that I really hate in life. Or if I don't hate them, I truly dislike them. For example, maybe some of you can relate to this. I'm not a fan of winter. Anyone else into that? Yeah, me either. I am not. Can we just, everybody, can we just transport all of our lives and our stories and our stuff and we'll go about 600 miles south? Is everybody up for that? All right, that'd be cool. All right. I I mean, Wednesday's storm. Who are we kidding? People from down south, they talk about, you know, the the snow gently falling down as if it's diamonds glistening in the sun. Give me a break. Wednesday, it was blowing a gale. Leslie and I left the house a little before 6 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, there was no gently falling snow. It was, I mean, I opened up the garage door, and it blew in. And I could feel it burrowing and burying down. I mean, it was, it was, there was snow down here already. I'm thinking, the day has barely started. I'm not up for that. I don't like pimento cheese either. <laughs> I mean, who would think of doing something like, that's just not right. And then to ruin two perfectly good pieces of bread and put it on it. Give me a break. Or here's another thing that I don't understand. I don't like it. Sour cream. What's with that? It's not far removed from pimento cheese. Now, I know some of you like sour cream and this, that, and the other on your baked potatoes, but just think about what that says. Sour cream. Who eats cream that's soured? Not me. I mean, if I wanted to eat soured cream, I'd go to the hinterlands of some former Soviet republic where people drink yak milk and leave their dairy products in containers made from pig stomachs in order to ferment to the right consistency over a period of about three months. Isn't that that sour cream, right? I'm not into that. I'm not really fond of a few other things. Like, for example, I'm not really fond of people or pointing out or me hearing of my strange quirks. I don't like people to tell me what quirks I have. I was visiting with some friends recently in this regard, and um, they made a comment that made me realize that when I tell stories from the pulpit here about my life, sometimes the stories seem to remain in people's memories longer than my messages and sermons. What's with that? (laughs) It's when I tell my quirks, people remember the quirks instead of the powerful, potent, poignant preaching that I do. Instead, you remember silly stories about me, and I go, what's with that? My my friend said, Wayne, we're like you, and I'm going, in what way? And they said, well, we're afraid that one day we'll walk out of the house with some new clothing on that's still going to have the stickers stuck in a place that we can't see. I said, you remember that story? I don't know how it's got 10 years ago, and here's the irony of what I'm about to tell you. I'm stunned that they remembered that story when I told it some 10 years ago, and I'm retelling it today, 
And the irony is you're going to remember this story better than the message, right? I know how that goes. So here's how the story goes. I was standing in line many years ago. I think it may have been at a bank or something like that. You know where people queue up. And I'm waiting for my turn, unaware that there is this lovely couple from our congregation, three or four people behind me in line. And I'm just standing there minding my own business. There's a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around to this gracious couple who have this smirk on their faces. Yes, and they go, Pastor, you've got a long sticker on the back of your new pants. <laughs> you know those stickers, don't you? They're about this long and they're about an inch wide and, and people in the department stores put them on the pants and they fold those pants and that way they're all folded there and it doesn't matter, you can, everybody can see what size waist your pants are. <laughs> and I just going, what's with that? It's, <laughs> There I was announcing to everybody that day what size my waist is and the fact that I was wearing pants I'd never worn before. Talk about, oh, not something I want to be known for. Don't want to be known for that. There are other things that I'd rather be known for. Things like, well, you'd probably like to be known for being a generous person, right? For being a person who has wisdom. Wouldn't you like to be known for that? Wouldn't you like to be known for someone who has good parenting skills if you're a parent, or maybe you would like to be known as somebody who knows how to find humor in a situation, or you'd like people to know, hey, we're going to get in the car with this person and their drive, his or her driving skills are such that we're not going to worry. You'd like to have those kinds of things to be known for. What are you known for? Now remember, you're in church, so be honest. <laughs> what are you known for? You're answering it right now, right? We're in church where we regularly examine what we're known for, and we are also known to examine what Jesus is known for. What is Jesus known for? What quirks and what personality traits and characteristics did he have that he's known for today? What we're doing uh, this period of time in the life of the church, where we are reviewing some of Jesus' resume, some of his reputation as revealed by one of his closest friends, a fellow by the name of John. John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And after Jesus finished his earthly ministry, John went and said, hey, hey, I was an eyewitness to all that took place, and here's what I remember, and here's how it all went down. And he wrote a biography of Jesus. It's called the Gospel of John. And it's what we're looking at throughout all of this Lenten season. How is Jesus revealed in the Gospel of John? And would you read with me in John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, this passage of Scripture. Jesus spoke to the people, and this is what he said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Straight up. That's it. I'm the light of the world. Walk with me. You're going to have light. Don't walk with me. We're assuming, he says... You're going to have darkness all over you. And you go, well, what does that mean? When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, what did he mean by that? Well, I think we have to understand that statement, I'm the light of the world. We have to have a little bit of comprehension of what, how is light portrayed in Scripture. Do you know that the Bible starts with light and ends with light? Light is at the beginning of Genesis, it's the end of Revelation. At the beginning of Genesis, when God's creating the heavens and the earth, we read... That um, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And that's at the very beginning of the book. And by the time you get to the very end of the book, in Revelation, you have that there'll be no more night. 
that won't lead people in heaven won't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. Remember, the sun is part of the created order, and in heaven, all of creation is kind of swirled around and redone. The Lord God will give them light. The end of time, as we know, will be different. And so you've got this um, business that God creates light in the first place through the sun for us to see. And then at the very end of time, as we know it, that sun disappears and there's new light that comes from God himself. And the Bible states that there is a tremendous conflict between darkness and light. The biblical narrative points repeatedly to darkness trying to overcome light while light invades the darkness. And for those who like evil, darkness is with them. Very clear what Scripture says about that. While those who strive after goodness and the things of God, they move toward the light. For example, the Apostle Paul, premier writer of the New Testament, said this, You were once, you used to be, you were once children of darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. And then he gives us some some ways in which we know whether or not we've got the light within us because the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In other words, friends, Scripture pays a great deal of attention to this understanding for humanity when it comes to light. We need light, and we need to be removed from darkness. And in the middle of that understanding, along comes Jesus, the Son of God, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does that mean? Well, I think to understand it beyond just what scripture, how scripture portrays light, you have to th- also think about, well, who is it that follows Jesus and who doesn't? To understand the light of God being Jesus and Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world, it depends on what choice you've made when it comes to the nature, the personality, and if you will, even the demands of Jesus Christ the demands and the requests that he has for you to follow him. Let's start with those who say, well, I don't follow Jesus, okay? Because one thing that Jesus mentioned repeatedly, he said that for those who don't follow me, when I leave earth, when my earthly ministry is finished, my spirit is going to move into the lives of people who are not my followers, and that movement of the spirit is going to be a searching light that moves into the dark recesses of people's hearts, and it's going to be like a light causing sin to be exposed. It's going to be, if you will, a convicting light saying to people, I would like you to walk with Christ. And for those who don't claim to follow Christ, and there would be some here today, and I'm glad you're with us. For those of you in that setting, I would suspect there's something digging within you that would say, have this sort of statement. I have this sneaking suspicion that there are some legitimate claims to Christian faith. I haven't been able to get my arms around it, but there's something there, and I feel it down deep. Well, that down deep is the searching light of Jesus Christ wanting you calling you to evaluate your life. Christ is calling you to move from darkness to life, and I would suggest that to do otherwise, to not evaluate the claims of Christ, is to ignore the light of God wanting to penetrate your life. And I say this with kindness. God in heaven wants you to experience all the best of a relationship with him through Jesus. And you cannot be a person who experienced that light by saying, I'm closing my eyes and my spirit, I just want it to stay over there. Don't tell me about how the light can penetrate the darkness. Don't do that, friends. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, allow the light of Jesus Christ to begin to convict you of your need for him. But the same thing is, could, I could say the same thing also to those who have already chosen to be followers of Jesus. Because in that setting, also, the light of God wants to expose darkness. Not so much this time from a, from a convicting point of view, but more so from a purifying point of view. See, believers are those who claim to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And in our, own, in our contemporary culture, we don't even know what that means, Savior and Lord. What am I being saved from? Well, you're being forgiven of your sins. Who is lording it over me? Nobody's going to lord it over me. We don't like that lord language, but how about this language? The Savior of my soul, the forgiver of my soul, is leading me. And I'm allowing him to lead me in each and every decision. That's what we mean when we say that followers of Jesus Christ allow him to be their Savior and Lord. We're allowing Jesus to be our our forgiver and our leader. And for those of us who are in that position, we too are saying, okay, I want the light of God to expose areas of darkness within me. And sometimes that light comes in sweetly and gently like a candle in a dark room and kind of moves around the room and and eradicates darkness. We all like that. But then sometimes, who are we kidding? Even those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we get quite stubborn from time to time. We don't want, we don't, we don't, God, you can't have access to this portion of my life because I just, uh, I'm staying there. Well, in those cases, I'm quite convinced that in the long run, God doesn't allow stubbornness to remain. Remember, if we follow Jesus Christ, we are saying we are in covenant with God. We said we'd follow, and he said he's going to cause us to become better people. In those cases, that light burns hard. And in the moments like that, God's light doesn't come as a soft, sweet candle, kind of moving around the room. Rather, God comes into our lives with a beaming, hot, white, laser beam of light. And we should not ignore it. That's why it's so hot. It's like, oh, that is so powerful. Are we, do we respond properly? I'm reminded in this regard of a guy who went out camping one day and he's, one night and he's out there in his tent out in the, in the, in, in the, you know, the desert or wherever you want to put him in the forest. And he woke up in the middle of the night and he's hungry, okay? So he's camping and he's, 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 he's got some food with him. And it's in the middle of the night and he, he turns on the flashlight and he opens up a little bag and he's got some dates in the bag. And he's looking around with a light and he pulls out a date and he bites the head, the, 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 the edge of the, the date off and he realizes there's a worm in there and he's just bitten the head of the worm. And he goes... Ugh. So he takes that date, opens up the flap of the tent, and throws it out. Gets the next date. Oh, there's another worm. Throws that away. He does it three or four times, and every time he bites into this date, there's a worm there. What am I going to do? I, I'm really hungry. Why have, so he just turns off the flashlight and starts eating anyways. <laughs> For those of us who follow Christ, and we simply say, I don't want that light looking on my stuff. Who knows what we're taking into our lives? If we say that we follow Christ, then the searching light of Jesus Christ would cause us to evaluate our lives, and Christ is calling us to move from darkness to light. And I would say to those of us who follow Christ, the same as I said to those who are not following Christ, 
I suggest you seriously evaluate the claims of Jesus Christ because to do otherwise would be to ignore the light of God wanting to penetrate your life. Because God in heaven wants you to experience the best of a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And to say, I'm closing my eyes and my spirit to what God would be saying, I want to have purified in my life. You're just chewing on stuff that you don't know what you're eating. See, remember, friends, God is looking for you. God's looking out for your best interest, for my best interest. And in those moments, the light of God through Jesus Christ is a purifying light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And whoever walks with me walks in light, and the darkness cannot win. So you've got a convicting light. You've got a witness, a um, purifying light. But there's another way in which the light of God works in our lives. And that's when it comes to witnessing. Those of us who say we follow Christ should have that light not only causing our lives to change, but then flowing through us so that others see it as well. I, there's a couple one time that took their uh, family to, to Europe for a few weeks in the summer. And they began touring around to see what there was to see and how's this all going to work out. And um, They ended up in a lot of churches, a lot of the big grand cathedrals, and they'd be wandering around these cathedrals and seeing all these wonderful stained glass windows that were hundreds of years old. And they'd see this saint and that saint and the next saint. And they'd see just all the, the light flowing in through those windows and the patterns on the floor. And they got home, and as would be the practice of many school teachers when, when the fall started, what did you do during the summer? One little guy writes, well, we went to Europe and we saw the cathedrals of Europe. And what did you see there? Well, we saw the saints. What do you mean? We saw the saints in the stained glass windows. Well, how do you know they're saints? He said, well, the saints were the ones who had the light shining through them. If we are the people of God, shouldn't the light of God flow through us for others to see? That's why I don't want to be known for the guy who wears the label on the back of his pants. I want to be known as the guy who has the light of God flowing through him. I, I, I have no desire to walk around saying to people, go to Kohl's and buy a pair of pants. <laughs> That's not my job. My responsibility, my joy as a follower of Jesus Christ is to point other people to Jesus. I want the light of the world to be flowing through me. You're the same, aren't you? Of course, now, having said that, if, if the light of God is a convicting light and a purifying light, and, if you will, a shining through a light, you want to go, well, how do I know? How do I know what decisions I should make when it comes to letting that stuff come through me, when it comes to being the right kind of person that God wants me to be? Well, in those cases, the walk of, the, this walk with God is also uh, a walk where the light of God is a directing light of God. Scripture speaks to this very clearly. The psalmist David, writing some 3,000 years ago, said that your word, God, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light in my path. In other words, as we study scripture, as we listen, as we let that purifying light purify us, as it calls us and shines through us, there's really good news that we can have light on the path so that we know where to go and we know what decisions to make right there in front of us. A lamp for our feet and a light on our path. Can, can I tell you about a time when I learned this really accurately about this business of, about a light being on our path? You're aware, many of you are aware, that our congregation has a significant ministry to the Maasai people of Kenya. 
The Maasai people of Kenya, the majority of them live outside of the cities. They are people who live, in all honesty, in the bush, in huts made from cow dung. You heard me correctly. Cow dung for walls, grass roots. Been there many times. And uh, what happens is a family will have what they call a boma, where they'll have three or four of these little huts together. And then outside those huts, in a space around them, uh, like your backyard, they'll put a fence up. But in this case, the fence is made from thorn bushes, long thorns like that. And the reason the thorns are there is to keep wild animals out during the night and to keep the goats in during the night. And there are ways that those thorn bushes, they have ways to open them up and they can let the goats out in the morning, the people in and out and everything. But at night, everything is shut down to keep the wild animals at bay, lions and hyenas. Years ago, the first time, one of the first or second time we were there, we went to one of these bomas out in the dark, no electricity at all. We're out in the bush. And um, we were visiting there with one of the elders of the village and his boma had a lovely meal of goat and some other things and um, in the dark. So in the dark there, um, everybody wears one of these. A headlamp. And... Uh, so when you're looking at people, you don't always see them. All you can see is the light, okay? So you're there, and the light is, you wear a headlamp, so you've got your hands and everything. And, and so um, I'm, we're there, we're having dinner, and it's all well and good. Until at the end of dinner, like any host, like you would have at your house, the host says to us, uh, would, does anybody need to use the facilities? Well, that's a strange question to ask, because there are no facilities. Um, and so I'm looking around, and he said, I'm going, oh, I guess, I don't know. So he says, well, well, we'll take you to the facilities. Now, it so happens that what hap- you do is you go outside the boma, and you find whatever facilities you want to find, is basically. Can I put it any more plainly? So he says, we're going to go out together, but I don't want you going by yourself. I want to go out with you. And there's three or four of us guys. We're going to go out. And uh, I said, well, why not? He said, well, there's lions and hyenas out there, you know. And so we want to, and he's got his spear and a machete. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. This is going to be interesting. So we went outside and we went outside the boma in the dark. I got a little light like this and all is well. A few hours later, we were back in our compound. Now, our compound in, in uh, where we stay out there in the bush, it is made up of buildings that are made of, you know, block block buildings, but when it comes to the facilities, it's, it's old school. There's an outhouse two or three hundred feet away from the building, a long ways away. And so, but there's no thorn bushes out there. I mean, we're out there in the bush, and I'm thinking, this guy's Boma, he's got all the animals pushed away, and we're out here in the middle of nowhere with nothing pushing the animals away. And three o'clock in the morning, the urge hit. And I'm going, oh, I can't believe this. i got to go outside. Everybody else is asleep. It's a long way. The, the wild animals are out there. What am I going to do? And you, you've been there. You lay there in bed waiting. No, you're going to get up. So I get my headlamp on, and I'm kind of nervous. A few hours earlier, the guy had said there's lions and hy- hyenas out there. So I'm out there, and I'm walking down the path towards the outhouse. And as, as I'm walking there, about... 15, 20 feet in front of me, the headlamp caught the eyes of a hyena about this high off the ground. And you can only imagine. 
you can only imagine. My heart was pounding, and I mean, I stopped in my tracks, wouldn't you? Huh. That's the light of God working in your lives, friends. The light of God, this work of Christ, does more than deal with our future or other people's lives. It also helps us daily to know exactly what to do. It helps us stop in our tracks. And if we live in the light of God, we, we are given light through each step. And it's not only light for the future, but it's light for, I mean, what way are you going to drive to work tomorrow? It's light for that. And you're wondering, Wayne, quit the preaching, tell us the rest of the story. Well, do you want me to tell you? I stood there mesmerized, panicked, frightened, paralyzed. I didn't know what to do. This hyena is looking at me. I'm looking at it. And a, a number of thoughts ran through my mind. Never let him see you sweat. It was too late. It was too late for that. It was, uh, you know, be the alpha hyena and stare at it. You know, and so I'm looking at this hyena thinking, you better back up or else, or else I'm going to turn and run. <laughs> and so I was staring at that thing, and suddenly it worked. That hyena backed up a step or two, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm a Maasai warrior. I am so, and I'm looking at that hyena, and it's backing itself up. And then I watched it slink away in the grass. The cat from the kitchen that had been responsible all week for keeping the mice out of our compound. It wasn't hyena after all. It was just the compound cat. <laughs> it was a happy moment. It was a happy moment to get to that outhouse, believe you me. It was an even happier moment to get back to the bunkhouse, but that's a different story. Here's what I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this, friends, that the light of God working in us, convicting, purifying, shining through us, and giving us light for the future, it makes the scary manageable. It makes the decisions they get brought into the light of day, literally. And there's all kinds of stories and all kinds of narratives that are in this room today. Decisions that are in front of you this week. Do you know what? The light of God will give direction to those stories. Maybe, maybe there's stories in the room where, I, man, I need the convicting work of God. I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you. Maybe there are situations where... For some, it's, hey, I've been walking with Jesus, but I got this area over here where I've just been messing around. And I need the light of God to fix that. For some, you're in the room today and you go, I just haven't let the light of God shine through me of late to my coworkers, to my family. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me, if that's you, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Allow the light of God to shine through you. And who knows, the hyenas in front of you may simply slink off into the grass and you get to walk where God wants you to walk. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God in heaven,
All of us in this room, Lord, have similar understandings of our need for you. And, Lord, of our desire that we would walk with you in ways that are right and true and honest. And yet the truth of the matter is that sometimes we really mess that up. Sometimes, um, for some, they've never made a commitment to you through Jesus Christ. I pray that that would change. For others of us, God, we've walked with you for a while, but we've got one area of our lives where we're just kind of pushing back from you. Bring your light into those situations, Lord. I, I think we're bold enough to pray that kind of scary prayer. Other situations, God, we've got a, a people that need to know of our love for you and our love for them. We want the light of God to shine through your saints, God, so that we have direction, so we have purpose, so that the scary stuff becomes manageable and in the light slinks off into the grass. Let us live there this week, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.